everyone. Give me a second to uh, get settled. And This on? Yes. Once again, to avoid confusion. Good morning, everyone. Today I'm starting, sounds kind of loud. Today I'm starting a um, critical analysis of Ecclesiastes. That's a book of the Old Testament. And I'm not going to prolong a preview of the book. I'm just going to go in it, and I think, I hope you'll go along with me as I use my notes, and I think Miss Cheryl has number one up there already, and I shall proceed. In today's presentation, that's right, today, I hope you will read along with me in a reading of Ecclesiastes, chapter one, we're going to know we're going to read what Ecclesiastes means in the first place and other things that go along with it. However, please keep in mind, I better start again so I can get the continuity myself. In today's presentation, I hope you will read along with me in a reading of Ecclesiastes chapter 1. So I'm on chapter 1. However, please keep in mind that verses 1 through 3, that's the only verses... I'm really concerned about, however, this morning's lesson will extend beyond one through three, will be the focus of our major interests and comments. I'm still commenting about this book, number two. This book is one of the most unusual and perhaps most difficult to understand books of the Bible. It has a spirit of hopeless despair. It has no praise or peace. Keep that in mind. It seems to promote questionable behavior or conduct. Yet these words of the preacher show us the futility. Yesterday someone asked me what the word futility meant was countless, of no worth. So keep that in mind. Yet these words of the preacher show us the futility and foolishness of a life, of a life lived without an eternal perspective. You're going to see that, especially when you hear the words under the sun. Number three. In the book of Ecclesiastes, the preacher Solomon, that's questionable. Some people think that it was written by somebody else, but I'm I'm not here to debate that. Has left us his own biography. I'm going to repeat that because I'm leading into something. In the book of Ecclesiastes, or the preacher Solomon has left us his own biography. Can you say biography? Good. That word bios or bios. That's where we get our word biology. But right now, that, that word graphe means to write, to write about life. Keep that in mind. The progress of a seeker after pleasure. The history of Solomon on the prodigal, written by Solomon the preacher. He gives us, in this first chapter, not only the preface of the whole book. In other words, this first chapter of this book tells us about what the rest of the book is about. But the keynote of its sad contents, for it has been well styled, the saddest book in all the Bible. Number four. Now here it really gets personal. And I hope you pay attention. Someday we talked about the word biography. Say the word biography again. All right. I always want you to participate. Someday... You and I, no one's left out. You're going to leave behind a biography. Did you hear that? I'm going to say that again in case it didn't hit you yet. 
Someday you and I are going to leave behind a biography. Here's two examples of left behind. This is Paul. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Can I get an amen? amen. That's Paul. Here's Jesus. I have glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. I like that when someone says, come on. It just keeps me going. What, here's the question for you and me. What do you suppose is going to be your biography? What are you going to leave behind? Maybe I better say that again. What do you suppose is going to be your biography? Is it going to be about a particular character, a characteristic about you? Is it going to be your pointing to Christ? Is it going to be you filling the blanks? Let's move on by reading the first three verses of Ecclesiastes chapter 1, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. No wonder this is called the saddest book of the Bible. But I'm going to add this, and this is not the next slide or anything. How about you and me? Is everything vanity, vain, in vain? Ask yourself that question. What advantage, number three, not, don't turn the slide, verse three. What advantage does man have in all his work which he does under the sun? What advantage is it? As a Christian, I know I'm getting ahead of myself, and I knew I probably would. We ought to have joy. Can I get a witness? Matter of fact, one of the fruits, and this is out of place of this commentary, one of the first fruits of the Holy Spirit is love and joy. So where is he coming from? Under the sun. We're soon going to discover over the sun. Remember, our concentration will be on these three verses. And here's four through seven. A generation, this is number six. A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Also, the sun rises and the sun sets. And hastening to its place, it rises there again, verse 6, blowing toward the south, then turning toward the north. The wind continues swirling around, and on its circular courses, the wind returns, number 7. I'm not going too fast. All the rivers flow into the sea, yet the sea is not full. To the place where the rivers flow, there they flow again. Number seven, all things are wearisome. Man is not able to tell it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor is the ear filled with the hearing. That which has been is that which will be, and that which has been done is that which will be done. So there is nothing new under the sun. I got a few more verses to go before I get into a exegesis of these passages. Verses 10 through 12. Is there anything of which one might say? See, this is new. Already it has existed from ages which were before us. There is no remembrance of earlier things and also the later things which will occur. There will be for them no remembrance among those who will come later. Still, verse 12, I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem. Well, I have a question. 
intervening with all this rhetoric. Okay, Solomon, number nine. Your question, is there anything of which one might say? See this, it's new. Part of Solomon's question may be seen perhaps in the American Standard Version of John 3.3, where Jesus said, Jesus answered and said unto Nicodemus, we're going to get into that later, verily, this is an American Standard Translation, I'm trying to answer that question perhaps in part. Jesus answered and said unto him, that is Nicodemus, verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, except a man be born anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I'm answering that question, Solomon. I'm answering that question, ladies and gentlemen. Is there anything new? Yes, there is. It's called being born again. It's being called born anew in the New American Standard Version. No exceptions. And here's Darby's translations. I'm going to say this again, and I'm not saying that to centralize anything pertaining to Dr. Bruce Carter. That's baloney. If I do not get into the word of God, if I do not pursue the exegesis of God's word and the depths of his riches and glory, a title doesn't mean anything. Can I get a witness? And here's Darby's translation. Jesus answered and said to him, Verily, verily, truly, truly, everything that came out of the mouth of the Lord Jesus was absolutely true. Except one, anyone, be born anew. Well, Solomon, perhaps there is something new under the sun. And over the sun, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I'm going to tackle this later, this kingdom of God. But right now, I'm going to say this in case I run out of time. Maybe I ought to just do it right now. I'm going to turn to Revelation chapter 21. And see if we can't come up with something that's brand new. Preach it, brother. And I saw, this is John, the apostle. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth where the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride for her husband. I'm going to ask you a question and then return to my notes. I'm including myself. Are you and I going to be a part of God's new heaven and new earth? And I say this with the utmost sincerity. Or are you or I going to hear him say, depart from me. I never knew you. Can I get a witness? Number 11. No, not number 11. Stay there. Number 10. What about some things that are new? I'll tell you what's new. If you've been born again, you got a new name. You're in a new community. There's a new commandment, a new covenant, a new and living way to heaven, and a new purity. Now, number 11. And I set my mind to seek and explore by wisdom 
concerning all that has been done under heaven. It is a grievous task which God has given to the sons of men to be afflicted with. I have seen all the works which have been done under the sun. There it is, that phrase again, under the sun. And behold, all, I'm going to use the word useless. All is useless in striving after the wind. Number 12. What is crooked cannot be straightened, and what is lacking cannot be counted. I don't know about that. There's many a crooked sinner like you and me that has been turned around. Can I get a witness? I said to myself, Behold, I have magnified and increased wisdom more than all who were over Jerusalem before me. And my mind has observed a wealth of wisdom and knowledge. 13. And I set my mind to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I realized that this is also a striving after the wind. Verse 18, because it's much wisdom, there's much grief, and increasing knowledge results in increasing pain. Well, you didn't think I was going to start over again, but here I am. Thank you. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. These are the words of him who thought the name of a preacher or public instructor of God's people to whom he calls aloud in this book to mind what he says concerning the supreme good of men, no less honorable than that of the son of, of King David, whom he succeeded, we're talking about Solomon, in his throne and reigned after him in the holy city, Jerusalem. So there was an earthly city, but there's going to be a heavenly city. Vanity, verse 15. Not verse 15, number 15. Vanity, vanity, says the preacher. All is vanity. I guess you're going to get tired of me talking about the same thing, but that's what I have down. In this expression, all is vanity. The wise man principally refers to the labors of mankind about the things of the present world and must be understood not as, I have it underlined, not as absolutely condemning things themselves or our pursuits about them, but only as the one may, in, excuse me, may be in some cases unsuitable. Well, let me put it this way. Christ has to be the head in your and my pursuits. Can I get a witness? No matter what you do, if you can't put Christ before it, if he gives his approval, you better be careful. I'm trying to go slow so I don't confuse myself for you. Vanity and vanity is just a Hebrewism. What do you mean, Brother Bruce? All created good. Subtracted from its, I know the word abstracted is there, but I'm using the word subtracted. Abstracted, subtracted from its connection with the love and service of God. It's unsuitable. I'm going to get a new house. Nothing wrong with getting a new house. I'm going to get a new car. I'm going to get a new job. You and I, notice that. You and I, you better ask God about that first. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. That's why some of us, including me, we get in trouble sometimes. We're going to do it on our own. Oh, we got all the facts. We know everything. We're just going to go ahead. You better consult the God of the universe. Because he is infinitely wiser than you and I could ever be. 
Don't be too proud. Don't be too wise to say, I don't need God to do this. Yes, we do. Let me start to read this again. It created good, abstracted from his connection with the love and service of God is unsuitable. I'll go on to the next one. 17. Vanity. Not in themselves, for God makes nothing in vain. Did you know that? God made everything for a purpose. But vain, I'm going to, I'm going to cite those scriptures, by the way. But vain, when put in the place of God. And made the end. Instead of the means. Let's look at Romans chapter 8, verse 20. Number 18. For the creation was subjected to futility. It is again. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Who did that? God Almighty. Let's look at some of the other scriptures. 1 Timothy 4, 4 and 5. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude. Let me ask you a question. Well, maybe I've been making an observation. I told my wife this morning, we need to be thankful for all things. Can I get a witness? You got up in the morning. We got up in the morning. The fan is on, blowing cool air through the house. We take too many things for granted. I'm just saying it over and over there. I hope that applies to you. Don't take God for granted. For everything created by God is good and nothing to be rejected if it is received with gratitude. I'm thankful to be alive and in fairly good health. For it is sanctified. What do you mean by sanctified? Set apart. Not only things are set apart, but if you're a Christian, you've been set apart. God has a purpose for your life. He didn't just get you saved. I want you to ask yourself a solemn question. What are you doing since you've been saved? Is it useless? Is it under the sun, as Solomon said? What are you doing since you've been saved? What am I doing? Psalm 39, 5 and 6. Behold, you have made my days as a handbreadth, and my lifetime as nothing in your sight. Surely every man at his best is a mere breath. Selah, which means take a time to notice what's being said. Surely every man walks after about as a phantom. Surely they make an uproar for nothing. He amasses riches and does not know who will gather them. Number 20. The purposeful creation. On the left side, the Lord has made everything for his purpose, even the wicked for the day of evil. I'm not going to comment on that. On the right hand side, as God created them, all things were good and suitable for the end that it is intended. But as apostate man, that's you and me. Hopefully that's not you and me right now. But as apostate man abuses and idolizes them, puts them out of their place and expects that from them which is not in them, they prove empty and vanish in disappointment. I can't tell you how many times I've been disappointed in my own life about my endeavors without the Lord. 
as God created them, number 21. As God created them, all things were good and suitable for the end that it is intended. But as apostate man abuses and idolizes them, I know this, I said this already, puts them out of their place and expects that from them, I won't read the rest. He's going to be satisfied. You will never be satisfied without the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. It can't be done because he has put a hole in you, if I can put it that way, a hole in your soul and spirit that nothing can satisfy but him. And when he used those memorial words in Genesis chapter 1, let us, think about it, let us make man in our image. You're made in the image of God, but from the fall, it did something to that image. It can only be restored if God does it. Verse 3, number 22. What advantage does man have in all his work which he does under the sun? What profit labor? That is, what profit as to the chief good? Labor is profitable in its proper place. We ought to be working in its proper place. Under the sun, there it is again. That is, in this life as opposed to the future world. This phrase occurs over and over again, but only in Ecclesiastes. Proverbs 14, 23. In all labor there is no profit, but mere... Let me say that. I said that wrong. In all labor there is profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Mr. Solomon, whoever wrote this book, think about this first. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits or loses his soul? And I know it's in, I forget where, it's either in Psalms or in Proverbs. No one can redeem another person by his riches. Not one. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? You can't give anything. I know I said this before. I'm saying it again. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll hit me too. No matter how much riches you accumulate, and I'm saying I'm not trying to say it's wrong to be rich. No, I'm not saying that. But it can't buy the price of your redemption. Twenty-four. What's the alternative, Brother Bruce? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Have you put God first? Or is he second or third or fourth? That's the only way I can put it. That's one of the ways I can put it. I'm going to say it again, but seek first his kingdom. Well, where is his kingdom? We already said it, but we said it in another way. John saw a new heaven and a new earth. This whole universe is going to be the kingdom of God. And he's going to, according to Peter, he's going to purify it first. I think I'm going to get a little bit off track here, but talking about purity. Can you say the word purity? Purity. Ladies and gentlemen, without badgering you, 
What's the purity in your life? You know, you and I need a bath, a pure bath within every day. Right. I'm going to add this. First John. And the blood of Jesus, the Christos, the Christ, purifies. It's a constant thing. If you're reading dirty magazines, if you're using profanity, if you're learning, if you're looking at various TV shows which accentuate extreme sensuality, your soul and my soul is being polluted. Can I get a witness? You might as well admit it because sooner or later it's going to show up at the judgment seat of Christ. And I don't want you to get to say I said something that I didn't say. No, I didn't say if you're a Christian you lost your salvation. I didn't say that. So don't think I'm trying to say you lose your salvation. But if you don't repent, Christian, it's going to show up at the judgment seat of Christ. Where do you get that from? I'm not going to turn to it. Second Corinthians chapter 5. You can please read it for yourself. Solomon, good works count according to what we're talking about. The judgment seat of Christ where believers receive a reward or no reward. That doesn't sound like under the sun... To me, someone asked me this morning, and they made a good comment. Brother Bruce, you're going to be on Ecclesiastes forever. This is just a preamble. I'm going to try to center my attention, but the Lord has laid on my heart for the last two weeks this message. So I'm sticking with it. And I hope to remain in Ecclesiastes, applying it to our lives. Colossians 1.16 For by him all, not some, for by him all were created both in the heaven, heavens, and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him. And I like the next part, especially for him. Well, who are you talking about, Brother Bruce? For by him. The context proves that it is Christ. You can look at it for yourself. I'm not going that would be too many verses. Chapter one. For by him. That is by Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God. You were created for Christ. Well, doesn't that make Christ the creator? Essentially, it does. Listen again to Genesis chapter 1. Let us. Well, who was God talking to? He was talking to his son. right-hand side, and God created them. All things were good and suitable for the end that it is intended. But as apostate man abuses, ask yourself, I'm going to ask one, am I abusing God's creation? I think I am sometimes, knowingly or unknowingly. Can I get a witness? Boy, things are sure getting quiet in here. Number seven, page 17. Now for Nicodemus's. I don't know if I have that word spelled correct or not. Now for Nicodemus's under the sun viewing and his encounter with Jesus's 
over the sun mandate. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, that is teacher, we know you are teacher who has come from God, for no one can perform these miracles or these miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. Verses 3 and 4. In reply, Jesus declared, I'm telling you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Right. I'm going to say this again. I don't know. I haven't the slightest idea why I'm saying, but I'm prompted to say it. Don't you let any teacher, I don't care if he's Brother Bruce or uh, sister, uh, sister so-and-so, it doesn't make any difference. If someone tells you that you can get into God's kingdom without being saved, without being born again, they're teaching you the wrong thing. Can I get an amen? Why do you think Christ died? Did he die because you're such a good person? I'm going to say what I said to my brother the other day. That's baloney. I have an inclination to go into Jesus' death, but I'm not going to do it. How can a man be born when he's old? That sounds like under the sun to me. Nicodemus asked, surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives flesh, excuse me, flesh gives birth to flesh. What are you talking about? Flesh gives birth to flesh. We're going to discover that in a moment. But the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying. You, and you can see that's plural. I have it. Why, why is that in plural? Perhaps Nicodemus was a representative of the Pharisees. He said, you, as well as those who you Associate, they must be born again. Right. 29. The wind blows wherever it is pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus answered, you are Israel's teacher? This is Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. You're Israel's teacher? And you do not understand these things? Now, Miss Cheryl, I want you to go to 30, I want you to go to 31 to catch the connection. This is what Nicodemus should have known. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I want to stop right there. I hope for you and for me that we don't have any idols in our lives. I'm not going to explain it. You already know what it means. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit in you. I will remove from you heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees. I'm going to say this. You cannot follow what God wants you to do unless you have the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. And I, I'm reading it again. And I will put my spirit. What spirit? The Holy Spirit. In you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And I have at the bottom of, and you can see it on the screen. And would you say these passages are under the sun? I indeed say they're over the sun. Come on, 
Now, I want to be careful here. I want you to go back, Ms. Cheryl, to number 30. Let's make a comparative observation. Solomon corrected earthly, blowing toward the south, then turning toward the north. The wind, can, wind you see it's in italics, continues with swirling around, and on the circular courses, the wind returns. Here's Jesus' take on the wind. He's not correcting Solomon. Of course, they're not together anyhow. This is centuries before. Jesus' observation the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it is, comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born in the Spirit. Right. I want to slow down to get this right. If you are a Christian, there is some evidence. I'm thinking about a tree full of leaves. You hear the wind. You, you can't see the wind, but you might hear the wind, and you might hear the rustling of, of, of the leaves and stuff. Every Christian has some evidence that he has been saved, that he's been born anew. Can I get an amen? Amen. Just because I can't see the Holy Spirit and I can't, doesn't mean that I haven't been born again. And may I add, I'm not talking about myself. What an over the sun. And I'm going to put S-U-N. What an over the sun experience to experience the Son of God who now dwells within every born-again Christian. Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, not over you, but in you, the hope of glory. Can I get another amen? I want to make sure I haven't lost my place. Thirty-two, Miss Cheryl. Let's go back to verses three and four. I have no idea. Well, I can see the clock for once. <laughs> Usually, I can't see it. John three three over the sun. In reply, Jesus declared, "I tell you the truth. No one." can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Did you know that word for uh, born again is the Greek, I'm going to give you one Greek word, anathon. Do you know what it means born from above? That's what it means. Unless he has been born from above. You've been born once again to this world by natural means, but Jesus has a supernatural You might not be able to explain it, but you know something's happened. Maybe you can't explain it, but there's something new. You've got a new thoughts. You don't think like you used to think before. You're not interested in drinking and smoking and gambling. And there's something that happened. The wind has blown in your soul. He's called the Holy Spirit. Under the sun. How can a man, this is Nicodemus answering this question, surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born? Jesus already answered. I tell you the truth, I'm number 33, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born from water and the word. What are you talking about? I better slow down, I can feel it coming on. <laughs> to a Jewish Religious person so familiar with the symbolical application of water, 
in every variety of way and form of expression. This language was fitted to show that the thing intended was no other than a thorough, say thorough. Why did you say that, Brother Bruce? Here's why I said it. A thorough spiritual purification by the operation of the Holy Spirit. Unless God the Holy Spirit operates on your soul and your spirit, and I'm not trying to be intimidating or embarrassing, you're not saved. You're still dead in trespasses and sin. You need to get right with God. Why do you say that? Because someday you're going to meet God, judgment seat, God. He's going to ask you, what did you do with my son. Now I lost my place. Indeed, the element of water and pure operation of the spirit are brought together in a glorious evangelical prediction of Ezekiel. Please read those for yourself. I don't have time to read them. I've reread part of them already, but it talked about a new heart. And I'm going to say something in case you think the new birth is simply for a heavenly group. Nicodemus was expressing the hope of the Jewish nation. What, what are you talking about? The Jewish nation had promises on earth. And Jesus is saying, you must be born again right here on this earth. It's not for a particular class. It's everyone who wants to be in the kingdom of God, whether you think about an earthly kingdom or a heavenly kingdom. You must. There you go again, Brother Bruce. I'm going to repeat it over and over again. I'm able to get through to my noggin, you must be born again. Thank you. If you don't think this is necessary, step out into the world and tell to somebody about Jesus. The ramifications for stepping out and talking to people about Jesus is sometimes negative and sometimes positive. Verse 6. Flesh, 34. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit under the sun. This is David talking. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Now you're going to think I'm picking on somebody, but that's okay. Maybe not. Did you know you and I were born sinners? That's what it says. You were born a sinner. Where'd you get that from? You got it from Adam. But that doesn't leave Adam responsible for your behavior. It can be changed by the operation of God the Holy Spirit. I just can't help myself. Yes, you can. In a way, you're right. You can't help yourself. You need Christ. We talked about idols. That's the idol I need. Jesus Christ. Over the sun. But the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. 1 Peter 1.23, being born again. Peter, you know Peter denied the Lord three times? Three times. If you think you committed some sins, and I have, and you have, here's a man 
that denied the Lord Jesus three times and said, I never knew him. And yet, he repented and wrote a book, 1 Peter, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God. You keep on reading this book, I guarantee you, not my, well, I'm going to say I guarantee you, you'll get saved. You just keep on reading. The Holy Spirit will open your eyes and change you. What kind of seed are we talking about? But of incorruptible. This book by the word of God which lives and abides how long? Forever. I'm almost done. I can tell I'm not going to get done, but that's okay. Verses 3 and 4. In reply, Jesus said, I'm not going to go into this verse. I'm going to go to the bottom of this 35. I tell you the truth. How many times have you heard and your mind is still blocked off? You must be born again. If our gospel be hid, did you get that? If our gospel be hid, it is hid, hid or veiled, as some Bibles say, to those who are perishing in whom the God of this world, that's right, there's another God, and he wants to see you go with him. And where's he going? To the bottomless pit. He doesn't care about you. He tries to keep you away from the Lord Jesus Christ as much as he can. I said this before, I'm on number 36. Maybe some of you have never heard this before. Well, I'm going to, I know I'm, I'm exaggerating. I'm just a good old Joe or a good old sister. Maybe you are for this world. I am so glad that I get people around me and, and around you to, to help us. But that's not what I'm talking about. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me, or the Hebrew was warned me. But here it is. Now look at this closely. Behold, you desire truth in where? Look at it. The inward parts. That's where God works from the inside out. And in the hidden part, you shall make me to know wisdom. Thank you, my brother. I want to ask you a question about what I'm about to read. Is it useless? What I'm about to read. Ask yourself, is it useless? Is it vanity? Is it air? Is it breath? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all you angels. Praise him, all his souls. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all the stars of the light. Praise him, highest heavens and all the waters that are above the heavens. Let them praise. Praise the Lord. What about that, Solomon? Is my praise the Lord under the sun useless vanity? That I might as well drop dead right now because everything's in vain. For he commanded, I'm on the last part, and they were created. Let me just reflect on that for a moment. God said, when God, say God said. When God said it, it appeared out of nothing. Do you realize this entire universe was made 
because God commanded it. Thirty-eight. He has established them forever and ever. He has made a decree which will not pass away. Praise the Lord. That word Lord is capitalized. It means Jehovah. It means Yahweh. Sea monsters and all the deeds, fire and hail, snow and clouds, stormy wind, fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and winged fowl. Solomon, don't tell me that's in useless, it's in vain. Kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and judges of the earth, both young and old and virgins, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His glory, say his glory. God wants the glory. He is lifted, yes it is, he deserves all the glory, and he has lifted up a horn for his people. Praise for all the godly ones. Who's the godly ones? Even for the sons of Israel, let me bring it up to date. I don't know how to illustrate this, so I'll just say it. Here's you, here's me. God has covered you with a robe of righteousness. Can I get a witness? Practical. But he wants something else. He wants practical righteousness out of us. Live the life you're talking about. My lips, say my lips will shout. I used to get kind of intimidated about raising my voice until I started reading some more of God's word. Yes, I read it before. My lips will shout for joy. As contrasted with Solomon's sad commentary, look what it says. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you and my soul. What do you mean by your soul? There's a part of you that no one else can see, but God sees it. Which you have done what? Redeemed. Where did he redeem it at? I'll tell you where he redeemed it, and I don't want to go into it. On the cross. That's where he redeemed it. Let the redeemed of the Lord, what's the next two words? Say so. Hallelujah. Why are you quiet about Jesus? Whom he has redeemed from the hand of the adversary. Who's your adversary? The greatest adversary you have is Satan himself. Well, Satan doesn't visit me anymore. You're mistaken. I got two more to go. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and, and the beasts, and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy. Can you say worthy? Worthy. Worthy is the Lamb. Who's the Lamb? Jesus Christ. Is it in vain? <laughs> that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Last one. And every creature is in heaven. Did you get that? He didn't say some. He said every. Every creature which is in heaven. That includes angels and there's other beings, but I, I'm not going into that. Every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that is in them. Heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sits on the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. Before I forget, somebody sitting on the throne. God the Father. Someone... And someone sitting on the same throne, Jesus Christ. 
Don't you let anybody tell you that Jesus was just a prophet. He was just a, a created angel or any of those false things. He's the eternal son of the living God, and he sits on the throne with his father. And I end with this. And the poor beast said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that lives. Who lives? Forever and ever. Let's give the Lord a hand. I'm done. Men's breakfast. So we're going to worship in the Word. So, on August 15th, down at the park in Spring City, we're going to be uh, helping them out uh, offering worship. So, look up and receive more. Amen, brother. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord talk you.